Today's episode may not be suitable for children under 12. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome to the Story King podcast, where great stories are read, discussed, and given their due honor. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's story is by contemporary Spanish author Jose Antonio Cotrina. So I came across today's story a number of years ago in an anthology called the SFWA European Hall of Fame, 16 Contemporary Masterpieces of Science Fiction from the Continent. The author is Jose Antonio Cotrina. He's an award-winning Spanish sci-fi fantasy author and has published a number of stories and books throughout recent years that are available on both Amazon and his own website, Cotrina.net. The one we're reading today is called Between the Lines. And it's been translated from the Spanish by James Stevens Arce. I hope you enjoy it as much as I have. And here it is. An October sky, the color of ashes, hung over the campus like a heavy cloak. Alejandro ambled toward the liberal arts building, his knapsack erratically bumping his side, the buckles clicking against the zippers of his anorak. His fellow students looked blurry, as though made of the same stuff as the clouds now crowding the heavens in prelude to a thunderstorm. Alejandro was tall, with short red hair, an alert gaze, and right now he felt at peace, his contentment compromised only by a mild case of Monday morning blues. The foyer of the liberal arts building was deserted. Alejandro sprinted up the stairs to the second floor and found himself in a labyrinth of corridors and doorways. He pulled the registration form from his pocket and scanned the list of professors, subjects, and office numbers, mentally rehearsing the argument that he hoped he would sway each instructor. Well, you see, sir, he would say, after giving a brief summary of his situation, I've been offered an entry-level position at an ad agency, a job I can't afford to pass up, but I don't want to abandon my studies. That's why I'd like permission to skip your lectures and study the course materials at home. Enveloped by a sensation of pure happiness, he moved along the main hallway with a snappy dance step. It felt wrong to be indulging in such euphoria, but he still allowed it to suffuse him. Rounding a corner, he immediately encountered the office of the first instructor on his list. He knocked lightly and, after a muffled voice invited him in, opened the door. It took him a moment to recover from his first glimpse of the immense room, which looked less like an office than an antique shop that had endured an earthquake or a small museum recently ransacked by thieves. Two tables dominated the space, one strewn with gewgaws, a glass ball containing a snow-covered castle, a precarious citadel composed of playing cards, a center spewing scented smoky question marks, a statuette of Kali carved in ebony, while on the other sat a computer surrounded by plush stuffed animals from a carnival midway, plus an aquarium holding what appeared to be a perpetual motion device and a solitary starfish. Unshelved books rose in three tall piles near the professor's mahogany desk, a configuration suggesting the mass of a ship run aground on the rug. Tapestries in wild, frantic colors drooped from the ceiling. Viewed individually, their designs seemed erratic, but collectively the tapestries acquired a certain logic and order. Alejandro experienced the dizzying sensation of being trapped inside a kaleidoscope. If the office did not resemble an office, neither did the man behind the desk resemble a professor. 
Dressed in a gray silk coat, trimmed in lace, he had an unruly mane of blonde hair, a gold loop dangled from one earlobe, a sardonic emerald green eye that squinted beneath a thick brow, and a black leather patch instead of a second eye. He would have looked more at home in a seaport tavern two centuries earlier, spinning yarns for the patrons in a voice made hoarse by hurricanes and salt water. Perhaps when the night lay heavy with rain and his spirits grew buoyant with rum, the old pirate loved to recount the caravel battle that had left him with an eye socket as black as a moonless night. The professor gave Alejandro a quick once-over. Yes? His voice was soft, precise, and pleasantly modulated. His accent was unplaceable, though Alejandro believed he heard a Nordic tinge. Dr. Rebelito? Sorry to disappoint you, said the one-eyed man, but I'm not that illustrious teacher. Oh, sorry, I must have wandered into your office by mistake. Alejandro retreated uncomfortably toward the door. By mistake, the man exclaimed. There are no mistakes, young man. He indicated that his visitor should sit in the leather armchair beside the desk, an invitation Alejandro chose to ignore. I'm pleased to inform you that in consequence of opening my door, you've signed up for the course I humbly attempt to teach. Congratulations. Alejandro could not have been more taken aback had the man suggested that he strip naked. I've signed up for your course? Correct. Just because I opened your door. The class is called Advanced Reading Techniques, the professor explained. An unappetizing title, I grant you. If it were up to me, I'd give the course a new name. This is ridiculous. Please try to understand. The one-eyed man spread his arms as if he meant to embrace Alejandro. We inhabit a universe where there's no room for randomness. All things are interconnected. Stick your hand in a fire, and regardless of what charm you may intone, you'll get burned. Dream of flight each night, a thousand nights in a row, and you'll be able to take wing for a whole day. Open my door, and you enroll in my course. Cause and effect. That's the way of the world. Mistakes don't exist. Coincidence is a fiction. As if to illustrate his point, he pounded his fist on the desk, causing a goose quill to jump free of its inkstand. Alejandro held up the registration form as if it could shield him from the man's dementia. Dream a thousand nights that he could fly? This is my last year as an advertising major, and I'm already taking a full roster of courses. But you haven't nailed down your electives, the professor asserted, crooking an eyebrow. Well, no. There'd been a minor computer glitch in the registrar's office, and Alejandro's two electives were still up in the air. But how did the professor know that? Listen, if this is a joke, please explain it to me so we can both have a good laugh. I enjoy jokes too, but this is a serious matter. If you'll give me your name, we can complete the registration process. The man picked up the goose quill and waved it through the air as he might a magic wand. Alejandro shook his head, hoping to clear his mind, but the chaotic office and the man's demeanor continued to baffle him. Look, Professor, whatever your name is, let's be logical. It's true that I haven't settled on my electives. Alejandro edged toward the door, determined to keep talking until he escaped the lunatic's domain. But I'm afraid that advanced reading techniques isn't my thing. I would never enroll in a course that doesn't interest me. Fingers interlocked, elbows on the desk. The instructor stared at him with a half-curious, half-amused expression. I don't want to bother you any further, Alejandro said, and so I'll say goodbye. He shut the door behind him and scanned his registration form. Releasing a sigh, he set off through the maze of corridors, determined to forget the whole incident as he resumed the hunt for his real professors. Chapter 2 Time, as it tends to do, passed. Alejandro, the happy red-haired young man, continued living a life filled with major successes and trivial setbacks. He'd aced his fall-term courses, including the two electives, and the second semester had begun auspiciously. He loved his job writing copy for a fledgling but ambitious advertising agency. 
Best of all, there was Laura, the lovely medical student who shared his bed as well as the rent. Everything was perfect in his small, shiny world. That was why when he reached his apartment, it was a warm afternoon on a day that spring had sent carting away the corpse of winter, and Laura handed him a letter from the university. A premonition bubbled up in his belly. With trembling fingers, he tore open the envelope. He had to read the letter three times to make sense of it, at last connecting the words to the previous semester's conversation with the one-eyed eccentric. Chapter 3 Locating the professor's office proved difficult, but once Alejandro found it, he breezed through the doorway without bothering to knock. What's the meaning of this, he demanded, shaking the letter, and feeling not a little shaken himself by a sensation of deja vu. How wonderful you came to see me! It seemed that the one-eyed man hadn't gone anywhere since their last meeting. Even his posture was the same, though five o'clock shadow now darkened his jaw. Or did you open the wrong door again? He added in a mildly sarcastic tone. This time I'm here on purpose. Last time you were here on purpose too, but you didn't know it. Please explain, Alejandro said, thrusting the letter in the professor's face. What's to explain? Your grade for last term is incomplete. You never came to class, and you didn't turn in any assignments. But I wasn't enrolled, Alejandro protested, his icy eyes narrowing. I never signed up for... He scanned for the letter, having forgotten the course title in his distress. Advanced reading techniques. There's been some bureaucratic snafu. No, you signed up for it. I didn't. You certainly did, when you opened my door, remember? I opened it by mistake. You're awfully fond of that word, mistake. The man smiled, a gesture that Alejandro found oddly soothing. I have already told you the way things work. Randomness is not part of our reality. A weariness overcame Alejandro, draining his desire to argue. He'd arrived intending to wax indignant, act enraged. But something about the strange instructor had lessened his annoyance, an air of befuddlement that invited conversation rather than quarreling. Let's just talk it over, all right? Alejandro sat down uninvited in the leather armchair. He leaned forward, propped his elbows up on the professor's desk, and meshed his fingers. If he behaved like what he was, an entry-level ad man, a mature adult, everything would work out. I'm sure we can clear up this misunderstanding. Two reasonable individuals having a rational conversation. The professor swirled his hand around, inviting Alejandro to speak. Go ahead, be rational, he said, smiling. I'm listening. Fact one. I never signed up for your course. No, wrong. I can't change that. Ah, so you're going to be difficult. Alejandro leaned back in the armchair. He would have to try a different tactic. Go around the flank, execute a feint, strike where the man least expected it. You're saying I enrolled in advanced reading techniques simply by opening a door. Now you've got it. The man's smile grew wider. But doesn't that seem absurd to you? Alejandro smiled broadly, too, his peak having turned to amusement. Is your course so unpopular, you have to trick students into registering? To tell the truth, things haven't been so great this year. In fact, you're my only student. Your only student? Alejandro said, gate mouth. The situation was developing from the absurd to the surreal. I've had worse years, and better ones. You appear bewildered. Alejandro saw no reason to deny it. Quite bewildered. It looked as if he might be here a while, so he crossed his legs and unzipped his anorak. Much to his dismay, the professor had started to intrigue him. Your only student. The one-on-one -on -one tutorial is a venerable academic institution. Know something, sir? Again, Alejandro mimicked the professor's smile. I'm dying to find out what the devil your course is all about. Chapter 4 he left his car in the garage and rode the elevator to the apartment, the afternoon's events percolating through his brain. For twenty intense minutes, Herman Mueller, as the professor with the eye patch and the pirate earring had finally introduced himself, had expounded upon advanced reading techniques. 
From what Alejandro had understood, it was a fundamentally practical course, wholly divorced from esoteric literary theory. He entered the apartment with a song on his lips. Back already, darling? Laura called from the kitchen. It's not Alejandro. He drew a black umbrella from the stand, and if wielding a saber with a two-handed grip, hacked at the air. I am the notorious Bumbershootus. Submit to my whims or die. Leave the umbrella where it belongs, Laura insisted, though she couldn't see him. He meekly obeyed and joined her in the kitchen. Did you strain out that misunderstanding at the university, Laura asked. She crossed the kitchen, carrying a stew pot, her straw-colored braid slung over her shoulder, and set it on the stove. He approached her from behind, wrapping his arms around her waist and nuzzling the nape of her neck. Her braid tickled his nose. Laura stood as tall as he, and her smile was as ready as it was sincere. Problem solved, he announced. I signed up for advanced reading techniques. What's cooking? She bumped him away with her buttocks and turned around, surprised. You signed up for what? Advanced reading techniques. In fact, I was already registered. He lifted the lid from the pot and sniffed. What's this stuff? But you didn't want to take the course, she eyed him suspiciously. You told me it was a mistake. It was, but now it isn't. For once, I've acted impulsively. God, I scare myself. He pretended to shiver. The syllabus actually sounds exciting. It all comes down to a kind of deep immersion in text. Reading between the lines, Professor Mueller calls it. You mean hermeneutics, deconstruction, semiotics? I use those words too. Mueller laughed and assured me this has nothing to do with linguistics or literary theory. But can you really handle another course? Might I remind you that a day still contains only 24 hours. This is the first text I'm supposed to read. From his inside pocket, Alejandro retrieved the book Professor Mueller had lent him. He gave me a month. Think I can manage it? Laura examined the volume with a stunned expression. This is your assignment? You're supposed to read this for a college-level course? The book in question was a beat-up pocket-sized edition of Saint-Exupéry's The Little Prince. It's got pictures, Alejandro pointed out with a grin, by the author. Chapter 5 Although he often carried a book with him, Alejandro didn't really consider himself a reader. He read slowly, a few pages a day before bedtime, more out of habit than commitment. But he consumed Saint-Exupéry's tale in a single night. He'd enjoyed The Little Prince as a child, but now he found it even more marvelous. For some strange reason, perhaps because of his mood, which was soaring so high it seemed to inhabit the clouds, the story enchanted him from beginning to end. In the days that followed, Alejandro reread The Little Prince, then looked into the life and times of Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, that terrible era during which the author had flown his World War II missions until he found death, or death found him, on a reconnaissance flight. His research complete, Alejandro read The Little Prince twice more, jotting down his reactions in a journal, periodically pausing to seek out connotations, always striving to peel away the seemingly unsophisticated surface and penetrate the deeper meaning of the text. At the end of the month, he eagerly returned to the liberal arts building and knocked on Herman Mueller's door. As Alejandro entered the office, the professor offered him a friendly wave and invited him to take a seat. The older man exuded vitality and good humor. He locked his single emerald eye on Alejandro and asked, Well, my esteemed student, have you made any headway? I don't know, I've read The Little Prince several times, and I've outlined my observations. What are you talking about, said Mueller, obviously perplexed. I'm talking about an outline. An outline, the professor muttered, sounding discouraged. I brought my notes with me. With a resolute air, Alejandro pulled out his journal. Much to his student's astonishment, Mueller gripped the journal between thumb and forefinger as though the thing nauseated him and carefully deposited it in the green metal wastebasket behind his desk. 
Were you truly paying attention when I presented the principles that underlie advanced reading techniques? Mueller asked, furrowing his brow. Pardon? Were you listening or merely hearing? Alejandro threw up his hands. I read the book and analyzed it as best I could. Distressing questions crept into his mind. Might this course bring turmoil into his life? Had a dark cloud appeared on the horizon of his happiness? Maybe I explained the principles badly. Mueller scratched his thick mane thoughtfully. Alejandro sat paralyzed in the armchair. But now you must try again, the professor continued. When I told you to read the book between the lines, that is precisely what I meant. Between the lines? Between the lines, exactly. You're perfectly capable of mastering the technique without further instruction from me. But you haven't given me any instruction. Mueller gestured toward the door. He looked crestfallen. Weariness and gravity dragged his shoulders downward. See me again when you think the time is right. And don't worry if things go badly. The failing grade won't appear on your transcript. And ultimately we can dismiss the whole business as to use your word, a mistake. My mistake, not yours. The professor shooed Alejandro away. I sincerely hope we'll meet again. But if that never happens, may you enjoy a long, full, happy life. Although the threat of an F on his transcript was gone, Alejandro resolved to master advanced reading techniques. Back at the apartment, he picked up the little prince again and sat down at the kitchen table. Laura wasn't home. She was doubtless at the library studying. For the umpteenth time, he attempted to fathom exactly what Antoine de Saint-Exupéry had wanted to communicate. When I was six years old, I saw a magnificent illustration in a book. How should he read this book, or any book? Listening to Mueller that afternoon, he'd briefly entertained an absurd thought, then discarded it. He focused intently on the text, searching for hidden meanings in the statements. Boas swallow their prey whole, trying to extract wisdom from the paradoxes. My drawing does not represent a hat. Asking himself if he should read the book in the original French, though without knowing why such a notion should occur to him. And then it happened. Just as he was about to turn the page, Alejandro experienced the phenomenon. Read between the lines, Mueller had said. Ignore the printed words, those blobs of black on white, careening left to right, bearing their burden of significance. Instead, read white on black, enter the void, and fill it with notions, concepts, feelings. Yes, no question, between the lines of the little prince lay a different array of words, sentences that didn't actually sit on the page, but flowed directly into Alejandro's stunned brain from some unknown source, as though the book were determined to tell a different story than the one inherent in its ink. Between the opening lines of the little prince he read, the two men hurried across the flaming hill. One moaned, and the other could not stop crying. He swallowed. The two sentences had nothing to do with Saint-Exupéry's story. He closed the book and set it on the table. Methodically, he contemplated the typography on the cover, reading between the lines until he entered the title of the book that lay nested within the original, The Tears of Padua. Frightened, he rose from his chair. The interpolated novel was real. He hadn't imagined it any more than he'd imagined Saint-Exupéry's original palimpsest. Alejandro had found words within the words and a story within the story. Advanced reading techniques. How far could these principles be pursued? He approached the bookcase, which also held his TV set and video player, and extending a trembling hand selected a volume at random, The Aspect of a Crime, by Juan Bennett. He opened it, again at random, and where the text read the doctor watched him holding a sugar cube with the tongs, he also apprehended. Later, perhaps he will ask himself whether it had been he or she who had initiated the kiss. He kept testing his newfound ability, pulling more books from their shelves and reading what they concealed. Each book sheltered another book, an unseen text waiting to be appreciated. 
Alejandro felt as if his legs would no longer support him, and he sat down, or rather collapsed, on the rug. Romeo and Juliet, and Arctic images, clasped in one and the same hand. Chapter 7 He decided against sharing his strange discovery with Laura. Not until he could talk about it without sounding deranged. Advanced reading techniques distressed him, roiling his stomach like a tickle or an unwanted caress. Beneath the bedsheets that night, Laura's hands tugged playfully at the waistband of his pajama bottoms. He made no response to her overture, and surprised at his coolness, she turned on the nightstand lamp and eyed him wordlessly for a long while before whispering, What's wrong? I don't know. He shook his head, a harsh knot in his throat, moisture gathering in his eyes. He wasn't feeling depression or grief, but something he couldn't name, an emotion he'd never experienced before. A sudden bout of sadness, he lied. I can't say where it came from, but don't worry, it'll go away. You want to cuddle? Okay, he said without enthusiasm. No, it wasn't sadness that had gripped his soul, but beyond the unnameable emotion lay a wholly familiar feeling. Fear. An insidious anxiety had wormed its way into every pore of his skin. In the safe, rational world he inhabited, there was no place for mysteries, just as in his meticulously planned routines there was no room for earthquakes or hurricanes. But now he was tangled in a network of secrets, gossamer menaces, velvet threats, arcana cashed away in corners, ready to spring forth and drive him insane. He gulped loudly. His body, paying no attention to his brain, responded to Laura's caresses, kisses, and gentle licks. He decided to focus on those instead. Chapter 8 He awoke feeling much better. Laura had fled the bedsheets for her office, and the troublesome ghosts were gone, too, dispersed by the morning light. After breakfast, he got out his typewriter, which until now had languished inside the door, exiled there by his multimedia computer. Still in his pajamas, he set the typewriter on the dining room table, rolled a sheet of computer paper against the platen, and made ready to confirm a theory that had entered his brain as he slipped into sleep the night before. First, he plucked a volume at random from the bookcase, A Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy Toole. Next he read, between the lines, the title of the book hidden inside it, The Sun Also Rises. He turned to the first chapter and read the opening paragraph of the novel that lay nested within the adventures and misadventures of Ignatius Riley. He transcribed the phantom text. The sun, shining overhead, had not always been the same sun, nor had the sky and space between us been the same sky and the same space. Typing slowly, trying to avoid mistakes. The instant he was finished, he tore the paper from the platen and, crossing his eyes slightly, scrutinized the words. Between the lines he read, the stillness enveloping him was, perhaps a prelude to what was about to occur. He typed out the sentence on a fresh sheet, hardly breathing, he removed the paper and contemplated it. The line he'd unearthed harbored within its lexical womb, yet another opening sentence. Mother died today. Books within books within books within... Chapter 9 From behind his mahogany desk, Herman Mueller studied Alejandro with a pleased expression, smiling avuncularly as a student reported on his experiment in a high, strained voice. When at last Alejandro finished, he regarded the professor with entreating eyes. Don't worry, you're not losing your mind, Mueller said. You're acquiring a new kind of sanity. I was perfectly happy with the sanity I had. I wish you'd asked me if I wanted to change my worldview. Do you really find my class so exasperating? The professor asked, cocking one eyebrow in his customary manner. Alejandro wriggled in the leather armchair, scoring his brain for the most lucid words. All the logical principles I've relied on since reaching the age of reason suddenly seem nonsensical. 
I feel like I've been living on a theater stage without knowing it, and now chunks of scenery are falling away and hitting me on the head. No, that's wrong. Nothing has been hidden from you, Mueller insisted in his mild Nordic accent. But until recently, you lacked the ability to see clearly. For the immediate future, you'll feel terribly disoriented, a syndrome not unlike the altitude sickness that strikes mountain climbers. You must acclimatize yourself, and you must do so gradually. The professor curled his lip in a knowing smile. He leaned towards Alejandro, resting his palms flat on the desk. You're already experiencing the syndrome, aren't you? Alejandro nodded and said, What really scares me is the thought that it might never go away. For the next half hour, Alejandro pumped Mueller for more information about his illness, its symptoms, progress, treatment, prognosis, but the professor had nothing more to say on the subject. It's not time yet for you to try grasping the whole system, he said, wigwagging an admonitory forefinger in his student's face. We must proceed slowly so you don't get lost. Continue exploring on your own. You're already headed in the right direction. After arranging an appointment for 15 days hence to evaluate Alejandro's condition, the professor sent him on his way. Chapter 10 Time, as it tends to do, passed. Each new day brought its own small but disturbing surprises. Alejandro told no one about his illness and lived his life deliberately as he could. His world had received a shock sufficient to alter its orbit, and he focused on his job lest he lose his mind. He brought three new accounts to the ad agency, but he took no pleasure in closing the deals. He functioned well, but a small, unruly, independent part of his brain was always dwelling on advanced reading techniques. Before Laura's astonished eyes, he devoured dozens of books. She couldn't understand his sudden voracious desire to read. While the interpolations were usually nothing to get excited about, occasionally he came upon a text far superior to its host. In the case of the dawn, which lay nested within Dostoevsky's White Nights, he couldn't stop crying. He conducted further experiments, all of which convinced him that the phenomenon was uncanny in the extreme. In the campus library, he located an English-language edition of Romeo and Juliet. Reading between the lines, he came upon the same concealed book, Arctic Images, that he'd discovered at home, only now it was in English. When he tried to read between the lines of the letter warning him about his absences from Hermann Mueller's class, no secondary message appeared, a circumstance that somehow seemed less perplexing when he realized that the author of the missive was not a university administrator, but Mueller himself. He next applied a skill to various gas and electricity bills lying around the apartment, bringing to light only meaningless strings of numbers. One afternoon he began to free-write, wondering what might emerge between such impromptu lines. What he found were intriguing but ultimately incoherent sentences crafted in his own hand. Who had woven these words into his spontaneous scribblings? Who wrote the books that lived within other books? Who dreams the dreamer, he mumbled as, sitting at the kitchen table, he read over the advertising copy he'd just finished composing. Did you say something? Laura looked up from a medical textbook. No. He heaved a sigh, and without thinking, formulated a question he'd never imagined he would ask her. Do you love me? What's this about? You know I do. What's going on? Sadness again? Altitude sickness. What? Existential panic. I don't understand. He studied the kitchen ceiling for a moment, then focused on his cat food pitch. As thou journeyest toward Avalon at gaunt dawn, he read between the lines, Three things needest thou remember. Whither do thy footsteps bear thee how distant lieth the echo, and what color and substance of path doest thou walk? Only in this fashion shalt thou pierce the fog and enter the secret kingdom. Did you get soap in your eyes? Laura asked on the morning he was scheduled to meet with Mueller for his evaluation. Alejandro stepped out of the shower and took the towel she offered. 
No, why would you think that? They look irritated. Tallying himself dry, Alejandro approached the medicine cabinet mirror. He peered deeply into the glass, using his index finger to pull down the lower lid of each eye in turn. It's just your imagination, kiddo. I guess. Dark lines encircled his pupils, though only a fraction of a millimeter thick. Each contour was as vivid as the corona surrounding the sun during a lunar eclipse. Chapter 12 as Alejandro entered the liberal arts building, he realized that nothing remained of his former bliss, the feeling that his life was wonderful and could only get better, but he no longer required such banal happiness. Turmoil, he now believed, was the optimal condition of the soul. The human heart hardened no less from joy than from misery. He'd skittled free of reality, followed a twisted tangent, and slammed into a glass door beyond which lay a fantastic and mysterious domain, a world whose wonders never ceased to multiply. Approaching Mueller's office, he encountered what he was half expecting, a tiled wall where the door should have stood. He edged a few steps to the left, then sidled to the right, quickly concluding that the wall held no run-of-the-mill camouflage entrance. He laughed. If this was the test, he would have no trouble passing. In recent weeks, he'd learned to read between the lines of people, animals, plants, and inert objects. He narrowed his eyes and traced the tile pattern with a fingertip, gradually apprehending the hidden door. Reaching for the knob, which he discerned only with effort, he gripped it firmly and rotated his wrist. Mueller did not look up, but greeted Alejandro with a terse, You're late. Then gestured for him to sit. Alejandro settled into his customary armchair and fixed on the dust jacket of the book Mueller was reading, The Citadel of Paradox. He scrutinized the words of the title, trying to read between the lines, but could not manage it from his awkward vantage. Chapter 13. Herman Mueller closed his book. When did you catch on? To the fact that I can read between the lines of anything? Alejandro sighed as he recalled his recent trauma in the kitchen. The other day I studied Laura. It was very confusing. There were no words, only shades of colors and well feelings, and I understood that she doesn't really love me. She simply values the security I represent. I wanted to read her more deeply, but I didn't know how. At your level of competence, a person can sense only the strongest emotions, Mueller said. Don't feel bad about your discovery. Learn a lesson from it. Never read the people you care about, especially as your skills improve. Let their souls remain opaque. The professor stroked the cover of the Citadel of Paradox. It's quite probable that in her heart, Laura loves you, he continued, fixing Alejandro with his emerald eye. But she may resent the role you've selected for her, the lovely adjunct to your perfect life. Although he'd never heard it put into words before, Alejandro could not deny that Mueller had caught the essence of his attitude toward Laura. Hearing the truth expressed so incisely made him wince. The professor had read between his lines. Something troubles me. When I came into your office last October, looking for Dr. Rebolito, the door was just like it is now, right? Beyond human perception. True. Then how did I see it? Mueller shrugged. You simply did. That's all. It seemed that time was decelerating, the flow of events growing lethargic, so that every second elapsed in two, and every minute took twice that long. Alejandro's mind grew clearer even as his ideas became more complex. Some outside stimulus was prodding his brain in new directions, increasing the octane level of the fuel that fed his thoughts. He remembered the dark rings encircling his eyes, and before he could phrase his next question, Mueller answered it without saying a word. The professor gently worked two fingers into the socket of his emerald eye, carefully extracted the glass orb, and set it on the desk. He untied his eye patch, relocating it over the actual empty socket. The organ that had lurked behind the patch now lay exposed in the weak amber light of the professor's floor lamp, an eye lacking pupil and iris, an eye as black as pitch. 
Chapter 14. How many of us are there? More than you might imagine, a whole society of adepts. Only a few have your particular gift for reading between the lines. Instead, they've developed other talents, other powers, other magics, other magics and other sciences, forbidden tools and forgotten tongues. Will I be able to recognize my fellows? Now that you know what to look for, of course. Chapter 15. Their conversation continued amid the temporal sludge now seeping through the room. Mueller told Alejandro that the more sharply he honed his gift, the blacker his eyes would become. It's the price we pay for seeing beyond surfaces, the professor said. Sooner or later, the others will approach you, unless you decide to conceal your identity as I did. For the next fifty minutes, Mueller elaborated in what he termed forbidden tools and forgotten tongues, thus in effect delivering the final lecture of the course. At the end of the class, he unfurled a map of contemporary Europe and invited a student to read it. Alejandro narrowed his eyes to twin shining slits, and between the lines obscure features appeared. New contours, unknown longitudes, nonlinear latitudes. The map disclosed secret cities with beautiful and exotic names. He discovered hidden mountains, veiled valleys, lost rivers. To the west of England lay an entire continent called Avalon. These revelations sparked no awe in Alejandro, only ancient memories and subtle recollections. In vanished dreams, he had scaled these mountains, walked these valleys, swum these rivers. Who are you? he asked, staring at the professor and trying to read him, only to realize that Mueller could easily conjure a shield against such scrutiny. Me? I'm just a fellow who, for better or worse, tries to do his job. I was a regular guy, pretty bland really, until one day, longer ago than I cared to recall, like you, I knocked on the wrong door. Chapter 16 Lost in thought, Alejandro wandered the streets. He had no desire to return home and bid goodbye to Laura, but soon he would have to do just that. Having passed through the wrong door, he felt compelled to keep on going. As he moved through the city, every object that met his gaze seemed unique, inchoate, newly born. Between the lines of a sign outside a health food store, he read, Dream Market. He peered through the display window, locking his eyes on the delicate, parchment-skinned face of an old woman as she raised a hand in greeting. He returned her way without hesitation. The two of them were comrades, fellow inhabitants of a marvelous metropolis, citizens of a riddle. When night fell, brilliant and majestic, he gazed upward at nascent suns, shining among ancient stars. Slack-jawed, frozen like a statue, he admired the Earth's radiant second moon as it cleaved to its hidden orbit beyond the borders of the real. Hands in his pocket and heart bursting with delight, Alejandro headed for his apartment. Farewells were something he'd never enjoyed, but this time the bitter taste would be sweetened by the nectar of expectation. A new life lay before him, an entire universe waiting to be charted and cherished. He reveled in the splendor of the speckled sky, his first night ever beneath the twin moons, and suddenly a shooting star traced an impossible parabola across the heavens. Not one reality, not one plane, instead, myriad texts. Worlds within worlds within worlds within... Was that not an amazing story or what? I've been mulling it over in my mind for more than ten years now since I first discovered it. Katrina brilliantly starts small, reading between the lines, a figure of speech we're all familiar with, to mean understanding what's not being said, the internal message, encrypted within the external. And he starts out with this idea of a hidden book within every book. And by the time you get to the end of the story, the reader discovers that literally everything in our universe operates exactly the same. There is the surface of reality, the external, and then there is what lies underneath, the internal, hidden from the untrained eye. 
We learn there are hidden continents, hidden rivers and seas, a second moon, worlds within worlds within worlds. So fantastic I had to share that one. Again, you can find more of Jose Antonio Katrina's work on Amazon, as well as his website Katrina.net. And I'm happy to announce that he has a North American release of the Cycle of the Red Moon trilogy coming out soon. That was a bestseller young adult trilogy in Spain. Kate LaBarber's English translation is being published by Dark Horse. The first volume, The Harvest of Samhain, will be available in bookstores on May 26, 2020. There's an article from Pace Magazine I've linked in the show notes. It includes the first two chapters of that book, so be sure to check that out. And the translator for the story we read today, James Stevens Arce, is an author himself, and his website is stevens-arce.com. That's Stevens with a Z, and Arce is A-R-C-E. That's stevens-arce.com. What an amazing job he did on the translation of Between the Lines. Also, if you yourself have written a story you'd like me to read on the show, please email it to storykingpodcast at gmail.com. If I like it, I just might read it. Try to keep it between one to 3,000 words. I personally enjoy speculative fiction if you want to win me over, but I won't tell you what to write. A good story is a good story, whatever genre you choose. Again, that's storykingpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to be a part of what we're doing on The Story King, please consider becoming a patron. You can visit my page at www.patreon.com forward slash The Story King. The link will be in the show notes as well. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a very practical and tangible way to support your favorite content creators. Podcasts and books take a great deal of time and resources to produce. So if you appreciate what we're doing with The Story King, becoming a patron would go a long way. On our Patreon page, there are three monthly subscription tiers available. At the $5 tier, you get immediate access to the Story King Podcast Exclusive Edition, where I'll be reading some of my own stories, as well as famous ones that are too long for the main show. At the $10 tier, you of course get access to the private podcast, but you'll also receive an autographed copy of every book I release, such as my latest novella, Darren Deluza and the Devil. And lastly, there's the $20 option, which includes everything in the first two tiers, but it also provides a way for you to promote your own work on the Story King podcast. So if you've written a book or have a blog, I'll feature it on one of my episodes and include a three to five minute phone interview. Please consider becoming a Story King patron and get access to all the exclusive content. My page is patreon.com forward slash the Story King. You can follow us on YouTube and Twitter. The links will be in the show notes. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash Story King Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Story King Podcast, where great stories are read, discussed, and given their due honor. Please join us next week for another great story. Until then.